This is D. Goliakovo, he scores! To D. Toronto scores! With Koliakovo. And Corrado. With Aaron Karolnik. I'm a journalist now. Just imagine the sweat pouring off of Val's brother's body. Free falling! <laughs> I'm always curious what 20 fingers will put at the end of the sting for D to D. He never disappoints. Me singing Tom Petty's Free Falling. One of the low points in this station's 12-year history. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Not First Stop. Aaron Karolnik, Carlo Koliakovo, and Frankie Corrado around the table for D to D. What's up, Frank? Not much. Uh, Twenty fingers. He might be running out of content for you there now. You got <laughs> to say some to dumb start... stuff here. <laughs> I do. I do have to say. I did once sing "Africa" by Toto, and that could be something I'm um, put into next week's thing. So, Frank, big night on TSN. You and Carlo, Julia, to Sherry. Part of the in-studio panel for the CHL Top Prospects game, but as you're well aware, I mean, the weather looking a little bit dicey this evening. The snow expected to fall. Potential of a slumber party at TSN overnight. You and Coco sleeping over there, much like our man Dave Naylor used to do. What do you think? No, really? Uh, the nail gun. So Dave Naylor used to host the morning show from, what, 2015 to 2017. And he oftentimes had things to do late at night for, like, yeah. the CFL. So he had a special pillow that he had and, like, a blanket. He used to sleep on a couch <laughs> at TSN and then wake up and do the morning show. Dude, uh, you I can imagine to, why I he used was to excited take, to leave. <laughs> I used to, like, back before the COVID years, I used to take naps at the TSN studios all the time when I had to do morning shifts and then... Yeah, you know, afternoon shifts and stuff like that. But I've all, you know Are what I've also pods? there's no nap pods, dude. We're talking we sh- about the we TSN gotta, we... two studios. Man. <laughs> Have you been to TSN before, Frank? Uh, not exactly the most modern <laughs> of buildings. I don't even know when the last time those places have been cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. Uh, but but yeah, Taylor uh, used to sleep there. I know you, you used to have naps in your car. I remember oh, having a dude, video on my phone I've... of me like creeping in on you and taking a oh, video yeah. of you sleeping. I've sounds kind of weird to say out loud. Yeah, very weird. Um, <laughs> I've dominated the car naps, man. Like, pull over in a parking lot somewhere, take a nice little 20, 30-minute power nap, and just recharge the batteries. Yeah. I've had to do that. You know when I had to do that, Carlo, when, when I was playing? Sometimes we'd work out really early in the morning, but maybe you couldn't get an ice time until, I don't know, let's say 11. So it's not worth it for you to go home. So you kind of kill some time yeah. in, like, the arena parking lot, snooze it oh, for yeah. an hour. That was, like, classic in the summer. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Sometimes I do it right before a golf round, too, where it's like you're stuck. Okay, what do I do for this, like, hour? Do I go home or do I just show up early and shut her down early in the parking lot and recharge the batteries for a golf round? Well, I, I'm glad you brought up golf because I'm sure both of you guys saw the story with Patrick Reed at the European oh, Tour event God. or whatever. What a, it's what a DP loser World, he is. <laughs> DP what a World Tour region. event. Where he wanted to go and chat up Rory McIlroy, see how he's doing, and Rory just snubbed him so hard. Had no interest in talking to Patrick Reed, who departed for the Live Tour. I don't know how much of that has to do with the Live stuff, or just generally Patrick Reed being a bad guy that no one wants to fraternize with. But Frank, I mean, 
we had our we had our beefs on the golf course this summer. I mean, this past summer when you, you ever when thrown you, a tee at, at when, AK like Patrick well, Reed? No, did to Roy no, Frankie wants Frankie wants one ahead of us, you know, because he needed to. I don't know, go vegetable picking with his wife or something. So he needed to really get out. There was a frost delay. Frankie's like, "Sorry, boys, you're on your own today." I yeah. would have thrown a lot more than a tee at Frankie. <laughs> In that moment, if I could. No, AK, AK threw a tantrum that day. But uh, there's more tantrum. details. <laughs> there's more details coming out of this story. So apparently Patrick Reed wanted to say Happy New Year. He went over to Rory and his caddy and said Happy New Year. Last time I checked, it's January 25th today. The threshold for saying Happy Way New gone. Year is over. It's done. <laughs> if you didn't, I give you like 10 days. 10 days. The 10th. That's when you're done saying Happy New Year. So he was going over there to cause some trouble. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Patrick Reed, did he not sue? Like, he's been suing everyone. Was Rory included in that no, at one point? No, I don't think Rory was ever included. But I think Patrick Reed's more interested in suing, like, broadcasters who have, right. <laughs> who have maybe chirped him in the past. Like, you know, Brandel Chambly's got, like, yes. $100 million lawsuit against him. Good Dude, thing hockey guy, players don't do that because this guy you might be out, looking at <laughs> He throws out $300 million lawsuits like it's nothing. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a clown. And Absolute throwing tees at Rory—that's not. Oh, and a then good apparently, move. so so the the latest out of out of the uh, you know the gossip mill is that he threw a tee at Rory, or he he like underhand lobbed it, but it was a four aces tee. You know his Ooh. team. Oh, his tour. team name. And wow. and he said, "Well, go aces," and he threw the tee. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's man, that's nice. so good. Oh, such a pigeon move. He's a pigeon. But um, you know what's a peacock? Did you guys see that video that Golf Town released yesterday of the solo golf cart? No. No. So it's like it's it's like a normal like golf cart, the one you drive, but it's a one seater. Yeah. Like could you imagine if golf courses start having those (laughs) on the golf? This thing this thing was like a hovercraft. It was unbelievable the way it was that technology. That technology is definitely progressing. What appeals to you most about that? The fact that it's a one seater or the fact that it kinda like hovers and it and it looks and sounds cool? Fact that it's a one seater, buddy. What, you don't want to, like, have some chats with someone? I like the camaraderie with with a a partner in a golf cart. Okay, so AK like you and I, we we walk, so we talk for the whole eighteen holes. Great right? chats, it's, great it's, conversation. It's the losers. best. It's the best. We don't miss a thing. But if you're in a cart, essentially the only time you talk to the other guys in the group is at the tee a little bit, at the green a little bit, and you don't see anyone. So if you're not going to talk to someone in your cart now, you're not talking to anyone for the whole eighteen holes. It's you pretty spend, obvious. Car, Carl talk to people, hates the people he golfs with. No, That's you talk to the people on the tee box, and you talk to them on the green. You'll talk to I would argue driving. I would argue that on the green there should be a little less talking. Like I find I leave putts out there because I'm like we're talking too much. A-A-K? Great chats though. You know, I, yeah. I can see that for sure. I think that's spot on. That's spot on. But yeah, I, I think walking is the vastly superior option and I'm not really interested in single person carts, you know, the normal two person carts. It's just the pull cart. The only thing I'm interested in, uh, <laughs> and not paying, Corrado. and not paying twenty two fifty for a car. Well, fee. it's yeah. If, if you're lucky, twenty two fifty. If you're <laughs> lucky, it's expensive. As Darcy it's, Tucker used to say to everybody, it's, it's a little bit expensive. So let's talk about tonight's game, Frank. It's the Leafs and the Rangers. You'll be on the pregame, the intermissions, postgame with Jim Taddy and the Leafs. I mean, oh, you won't be. Okay, I guess you're right. someone else will. <laughs> Top uh, prospects uh, with Carlo. Oh yeah, whatever. Double up. Come on, you work so pigeon. much. Seriously. 
We talked about you, me him doing the, the CHL game. Yeah, at 10.30. I thought he was doing both. I don't know. Whatever. The Leafs gave it seven. Frankie doesn't, Frankie doesn't work hard enough. I've said it multiple times that Frankie was part yeah. of the broadcast. Nobody corrected me. Thanks, guys. Taddy's going case, solo. Taddy might go Taddy's going tonight. solo tonight? Oh, no. he can handle it. Oh, no. No, he's, not, he's, not, he's not going solo. All right. That shows how little I look at the schedule, apparently, here at TSN. But... The Leafs, I mean, they've got a new group of forwards. They've got a new group of D-men. The, the lines and the pairings have shifted. I mean, do you think this is something that we might see for an extended period? Or think maybe a little bit of a trial run, seeing the Matthews band reunited with Marner, Bunting, and, and number 34, Frank? Yeah, I just think the way the way Sheldon Keefe has has run things this year and in the past, like nothing seems too set in stone. It feels like things are are somewhat fluid and like I heard him talking a little bit yesterday and even after the last game how, you know, he makes an adjustment, he puts Willie back with John and it's like they hit the ground running. And in in the past that might take 2, 3, 4 games. It might take a little more time. So I just I have a feeling now like players are are easily adaptable in that room and and that's something that the players individually have worked at, but as a team, you know, from a coaching standpoint, like that's something that you've probably tried to hammer home with these guys. It's it's be okay with change, be okay with being uncomfortable. And so, you know, now it gives you a little more wiggle room as far as how you want to deploy your team and, and who you want playing with who. Listen, at the end of the day, if you have Matthews playing with Marner, you have Tavares playing with Nylander, as long as you're getting the results, as long as guys are being assertive, they're involved in the game, doesn't really matter, you know, who these guys are playing with. It's not like, I, I don't think anyways, one look is substantially better than the other, where we're talking about this guy has to play with that guy. It's, it's just not the case. These guys have been so good at switching back and forth between line mates all year. Frankie, we've talked to a lot of people and have got their opinions on, you know, what this Maple Leafs mindset or approach should be in the coming weeks here. And I don't think we've heard yours um, what do you think this team needs to do between now and the deadline to make them get a different result against Tampa in the in the, in the playoffs this year? Because let's be honest, that's who they're playing. Yeah, I I still I still kind of think it's a scoring winger. Like that's still what I would like to see. But but at the same time, like I also don't want to see them bring in someone with too much presence. If that makes sense. Like I I don't necessarily want anyone to to rock the boat or, or have too much presence in the locker room. It just feels like the the team, the locker room has really been turned over to these guys now, like Matthews, Marner, Nylander. I know Tavares is a little bit older, but it, it really feels like it, it's a changing of the guard in the sense that it's their room now. There's no, yeah. you know, I don't want to say grandfather figure, you know, but there there's, we don't have that like token veteran, that Thornton, that Marlowe, you know, Spezza was was great at it, and he was really productive. I, I think Giordano might kind of fit in that, but he's also, you know, it's different. He's a defenseman. He plays, you know, 20 minutes a night um, oftentimes. It just doesn't feel like he's part of that, um, that older thinking, right, um, that those guys had. So it, it feels like if they could add someone within that same age range as, as the, the core players on the team um, – who can provide a little more scoring maybe on the second line, maybe on the third line. I just think if you were going to add one thing, that's what I would be making a priority. I I know there's probably a little more maybe depth on the blue line that people might want to see, maybe a little more bulk back there, and that's fine. Like maybe you can have both, right? Right. But I I don't think – I just – I don't think it needs to be a name value guy. Like I don't think it needs to have – that big of a presence. I, I think, like, the other night when we were watching Seattle, I know it was a little while back, right? 
But, you, you know, you look at the way they built their team, and they have probably three or four guys that would fit the mold of what I'm thinking of for, for Toronto. It's like a guy like a Burakovsky, or, you know, there's like Yanni Gord, and they have Bjorkstrand, they have McCann. Like, that's just all on one team, and that's a team that's in the playoffs. So I'm not saying those are the guys, right? But it, it's that type of player that I'd be looking at. Like, maybe that, that, that kid on um, Detroit, that Kubalik, who... You know, he signed a two-year deal at just over two million because he had a down year, and now he's he's found his game again, right? So, like, yeah. there's that's that's the kind of player I'd I'd be looking for. This is, that's Frankie Corrado, the veterinarian of Cowden Woods on D to D here on First Stop. Frank, we've been talking a lot about tanking this morning because Gary Bettman says not a real thing in the National Hockey League. You doesn't exist <laughs> of the 2015-2016 Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that had the dignified tank, if you want to call it, the leader in goals for that year's team. Do you remember who it was, Frank? Uh, P.A. Parento. P.A. Parento, 20 That's goals for him. That's our guy, P.A. Parento. I thought you were going to say big, Peter Holland. We're, we're big fans of P.A. Parento, no doubt, here on First Up. But I think what it says more so than anything, remember Kessel and and Bozak and all those guys, they had really, really tough years. You were playing a lot of minutes for those teams. There was never any conversation in the room, like what was going on, right? Like with regards to the tank? <laughs> there was there was not a lot of conversation, no, about tanking, right? Like I think there was a, a number of players, we got to a certain point in the season, there was a number of players certain, like similar to my situation on a one-year deal, or guys on two ways, or guys still trying to establish themselves in the league that needed those games, needed those minutes in order to showcase what they can do and try and stick around in the league. And then you had guys with a lot of term who were, they, they kind of saw what was going on, right? And they, we got to a point in the season where if you had a, a, uh, a hangnail, if your groins were a little sore, if maybe you had some bad sleep, it was like, we're thinking of putting you on the IR. What do you think? Right? And so we we, we had a point where it was like just a, a glorified Toronto Marlies roster playing. Um, and so, you know, for the players that went on the ice, yeah, we worked hard. We tried hard. You know, the coaches still gave us the the meetings. They gave us all the material we needed to go out there and try and win. But at the end of the day, you know, when you don't have the personnel out there, <laughs> and and it's it, it turns into a struggle, and that's exactly what it was. It was a struggle for the players because we didn't necessarily have the skill and the talent to compete with the better teams, and so we lost a ton of games, and that's kind of the way it went. And, you know, I think the way the season started that year, we were probably winning a little more than people in the organization would have liked, and then as soon as the, the all-star break hit, we just started making trades. That's all we did. Like, Dion was yeah. out the door, um you know, Roman Polak eventually left, James Reimer left, like all these guys started leaving the team and then you're you're looking around, you're like, All right, we understand what's going on here, but at the end of the day we still have to try and play our best because we're trying to establish ourselves in the league. Yeah, it's just like Dave Poulin said, and anybody that's played the game would understand too, that players don't buy into the narrative of tanking and losing. But no. this is clearly a a, a uh, a managerial philosophy or maybe an ownership philosophy where if things aren't going as planned, you might as well put yourself in the best position to rebuild in the following year. And how do you do that? Well, you try to improve your draft position uh, to do so. And that means losing more games than win. Whether you want to call it tanking, whether you want to call it purposely losing, whatever you want to call it, there is a method to the madness. And Gary's just delusional when um, – 
he views it as 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 something different. But let's move on to some some uh, uh, maybe brighter topics because tanking is sort of depressing when we're talking about focusing on next season. The NHL All Star Game's coming up, Frankie, and they've introduced some very curious and new. Um, what do you call it? Uh, drills or whatever they the competitions that they that they there's a dunk yeah, tank, there's a this. there's a chip in putt or whatever they call it. What do you how do you what's, what's your feeling on the, the All Star Game and the festivities that it does? And I mean, I know when I used to play and they used to have their own team All Star or skills competition, it was kind of like everybody would show up hungover and be like, oh, let's just get this day over with because yeah, nobody was really much. interested. Yeah, that's how that's how that day was. I think I had a couple of those in Vancouver. Um, but this, I don't know. I, I think it's cool that they want to try new stuff. I think more people would kind of be interested in, like, it doesn't need to be a pitch and puck. Like, everyone loves golf. Like, all these hockey players love golf. Just show us, yeah. every, like, make part of the, the weekend just going and tee it. I don't well, know. Well, it's, like, like, it's like what football does, right, when they do their – their skills competition, whatever yep. they want to call it, at the Pro Bowl. It's like they don't even do football-related things. Yeah, it's just everyone Everyone wants to go tee it, and the guys that don't, you can find something for something else for them to do. Well, it's a good thing you're not at the NHL All-Star Game if there was a long drive competition, Frank, because we know you'd be <laughs> taking that one down for I sure. Know, also, man. a text coming in, uh, was that Laurentian University when Frankie was playing for the Wolves saw him do some damage at the Grand Nightclub? Can you Ooh. confirm that, Frankie? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we'll save it for next week's D to D Grand Nightclub stories with Frank Carrado in Sudbury. My goodness, that must have been something special in those days. Thank you, Frank. See you guys. That's Ciao. Frank Carrado. See you tonight. CHL top prospects game. Bring your pillow. Slumber party. Sleepover with Carlo Koliakovo.